Hello, everyone. How you doing? Welcome to another episode on Living on the Edge of Chaos podcast. I am really excited for this conversation today uh, because I think some of our, our topics are aligning with, for me, really some, some recent professional interest and pathways of my own learning that I've been trying to work on for myself, as well as trying to infuse in classrooms. And the more I dive into it, the more I learn amazing examples of of people and business and industry and all shapes and sizes in between that are have these similar mindsets and techniques and tools. And this guest here today brings a really incredible perspective um, as we got to chat a little bit before to kind of figure out a little bit about how this is going to look. Um, and so I'm here today uh, with the incredible Carol Hill. And and Carol, I'm going to allow you to introduce yourself. Um, you can probably frame it up a lot better than, than I can. Um, but if you could say a little bit about who you are, what you do, and uh, what in the world you got going on, we'll, we'll start there and see where the journey takes us. Great. So um, my name is Carol Hill, and I'm the Global Learning Director um, for LEGO Education. I'm currently based in Denmark. Um, and um, yeah, I'm currently working with a team of amazing um, learning designers, content developers, content producers who are creating um, products for the classroom, looking at learning through play and STEAM, and we're having a great time. Yeah, I love that. And I know that none of us just wake up. I know um, it's like a cool fantasy dream of mine to to work for Lego, Lego education in some shape or form when whenever the stars align. But I know you didn't just wake up one day and, well, I'm assuming, and go, boom, here I am. So what I've been asking guests recently, which I think a lot of people have found really fascinating is, you know, kind of what's your, what's your origin story? I know a little bit prior to us recording that um, you're not from Denmark. And so how did you get from where you are to, or I should say where you were to where you are today? Um, because I always find that that journey to be be fascinating. I think a lot of the guests do as well. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I would say probably I um, never, ever in my entire life imagined I would be living in Denmark up until about a year and a half ago. Um and I'm still thinking about what I want to do in the future when I grow up. <laughs> so let's see what happens. Um, but I'm from Minnesota, a small town in Minnesota in the US. Um, and I um, didn't know what I wanted to do when I grew up, but I always loved being in the classroom as a student and always thought about teaching as something I wanted to do and just knew I wanted to leave a small town. So I went to um, a small town in China of quarter of a million people, small fishing village, <laughs> um, and taught English in a university um, straight, after uni uh, straight after university, teaching in a university, um, and kind of went from there and found, found my way into educational publishing, ed tech, um, uh, um, teaching in corporations, um, actual kind of learning and development, um, lean design thinking, implementing agile into the different areas at Pearson when I worked at, at Pearson in London. Um, so I've just sort of meandered my way um, through life, I suppose, and my different jobs. Um, but it's always been with the, um, I suppose, mission to help 
people feel more confident about what they're doing um, and learning and um, really making an impact on on learners' lives, I think, at the end of the day. And I can't wait to dive into more of the agile mindset than that conversation. But before we dive into there, which was one of the main reasons I reached out to you um, just a, a few weeks back. But before we get into there, I, I am I, I am always curious. So you have uh, a global perspective and, and not all of us have that. Some people maybe have moved. I mean, I moved from one Midwest state to another Midwest state. And I often joke the only difference is like the shape of the state, even though I know there are there are subtle differences. You mentioned China, you've been in the UK, you're now in Denmark, and you've worked with a variety of different corporations as well as teaching and things of that nature. You know, and so through all the different places you've been and people you've worked with, you know, what is it that um, that you see that tends to be, I like to call it a through line, like regardless of the location, um, things that allow learning to happen or what you find that that allows organizations or people to be successful. I mean, I know there are universal things, but you have had an opportunity to actually kind of immerse yourself in in various cultures and countries, which is not what a lot of us can actually say. So I I don't know if there's any sort of insight that you've been able to to garner from that. You're like, man, okay, it doesn't matter if I'm in China or UK or Minnesota or wherever. Like These are the things I see over and over that allow people to be successful, or maybe it's what what's missing that people yeah. stumble on to to be successful and i know i should put the caveat defining success can be something different for everybody but i mean i think like reaching goals and just kind of that general success yeah. kind of criteria yeah um what a great question um i think just obviously i can only speak from my experience so um it is what it is but i would say really at the end of the day in any place that I've been, whether whether it's a classroom or it's um, uh, a meeting room, an office space, um, wherever it might be, it's really around um, that psychological safety. People have to feel comfortable and confident and um, they need to trust whoever is facilitating whatever's happening and trust the other people in the room. And if you don't have that psychological safety, really not a whole lot is going to come of <laughs> the conversations in the room um, and things like that. So I think that's probably the most important thing if I were to, to say one thing. Um, and then I think the, the other piece to it also for, for success, for, for people to be successful in the classroom again or in the workplace, um, it's also um, really important that there is some kind of um, meaningful um conversation that's happening or a meaningful problem that they're trying to solve or there there has to be meaning there um in whatever they're doing um otherwise there's there just won't be the engagement and there won't be the motivation to actually solve whatever it is that they're trying to to solve so there's a few pieces there i think they're probably universal throughout and some i think some cultures are maybe um more or less um how should i say it value trust more than others mm-hmm. um trust is hugely important in Denmark if you lose trust that's everything um other other cultures are a little bit less but there has to be that feeling of safety psychological yeah. safety for sure yeah and I like that that you bring that up I know that that phrase or term is being used more and more and I'm glad that it is because I think it's 
you know, having a lot of us kind of sit and, and reflect on our our learning space or our workspace, um, however we want to define that in our roles to go back and yeah, we can have the the latest, greatest tech, we can have the most powerful software or machines or whatever it might be. But at the end of the day, if that basic human needs are not being addressed, that stuff doesn't really do us a lick of good. And I think sometimes we're so quick to to jump to a a product or a solution without really truly identifying a problem. And I'm I'm speaking, I can only speak from the education realm, whether that's in a classroom or whether that's in a, a school trying to figure out some sort of structure or whatever it might be. Uh, I'm sure you see that both in classrooms yeah. as well as in the industry. And I think that's just a really key thing. Um, you know, not that COVID was 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 positive, but I think one of the things that came out of that was really looking at acknowledging some of the things that we've been able to gloss over. Um, I don't think it was intentional. I just think life is fast and furious no matter what we do. And there was that hard pause. And then we were like, huh, you know what? Yeah. Maybe I am going to speak out on this. Or maybe as a leader, I need to go back and acknowledge this. And if we haven't done those things, this is a, a great reminder and a nudge to go back and think about those things uh, because they are Absolutely. vitally important. Absolutely. And I, I I love what you said about jumping too quickly to solutions. It's something I talk about with um, team members all the time. And I think the thing that that they probably hear me saying is don't fall in love with the, the solution, mm. fall in love with the problem. And if you really can understand that problem, you will be able to create an amazing solution. And if you don't understand the, the, the problem itself or the needs of the user, then the solution might look pretty, but it might not have any use at all so what is the point in doing that so yeah, really, yeah. and i yeah. love that because i know in, in some classrooms the last couple of years we've been trying to bring that more to light where so often we we we, we give the class or the students the problem to solve mm -hmm. and we've been trying to build space um by space that's time and mm -hmm. in curriculum and within the standards and all the things that that schools and educators have to face to allow students to actually identify a problem. And that is, it is the hardest thing ever that I think I've done in my educational career mm -hmm. is I, you, you so bad wanted to say, here's the problem. Let's get into you coming up with solutions versus like, Hey, here's this kind of bigger concept and you need to figure out what is truly the problem in this bigger ecosystem and what is a problem and what is kind of like a theme and then diving into then how do we move into action? Um, and that is some of the hardest thinking um, that we're finding. And it's like, holy cow, like it's powerful, but it does take time <laughs> and it's yes. a lot of conversation and, it's, and you just feel like you're in quicksand, but it's, it's such a vital skill. I think, you know, especially for the next generation, because, that's the thing that a lot of, you know, whether it's chat GPT or whatever the latest tech and things are going to be um, that they can't do. Uh, those yeah. are, Like that's the human skill that is, is, is needed more than ever. Exactly. And I think just thinking about those 21st century skills um, that you're kind of talking about here, 
um it's it's so impactful to take the time and it does take time to build these kinds of skills but once students have that foundation of being able to identify a problem whether that is a problem they're trying to solve in a classroom with standards or if it's a problem that they have themselves with behavior or whatever that might be you know thinking about coaching and you know how to to give feedback and how to to be better as a human um all of those things are really important and it takes time. It does yeah. take time. Yeah. So, you know, as, as we think about that and I think about when I reached out to you uh, to have this conversation, I mean, our paths have crossed briefly prior to uh, my email to you, but on LinkedIn, you have, you have a, a ton of wonderful content, but the the one post that really resonated with me was a, an image of a stack of books that you recommended that you have read um, that kind of sit within the agile mindset and not all were necessarily agile. Um, and that's exactly what I've been trying to infuse just to build upon what I was saying earlier, help how we help kids identify problems and then actually have a process to then mm -hmm. go forth to do that and and for them to be the leaders of their learning in terms of ideation and creation and prototyping and then being able to share that out. And there's a lot of hyphenated teaching, whether that's project-based, problem-based, blended, yeah. uh, whatever you want to platform, is, that's not that's not really the focus of this, but like helping them build the mindsets and then having some tools and structures and protocols to go about, you know, being productive and accountable to their journey. And so I'll make sure in the show notes for those listening in, because I'm sure a lot of my listeners are just like me. They're, they're going to want to know all the books. So I will just just know we're not going to break all the books down, uh, but we'll, I'll have that available for, for those to check out. But in general, for those who are listening and going, I don't really know what Agile means. And could you kind of briefly talk a little bit about that and, and some of the things that that work for you for you or how you're you're infusing some of these mindsets and, and strategies within the work that you're mm -hmm. doing mm -hmm. yeah so in in i'm using agile um with um product development and so um i did this at pearson we're doing this at like education i think most most companies that you will see are going through some sort of agile transformation which is i think um one of the reasons i posted the the stack of books yeah. someone reached out and said i know you know something about this can you can you give me a few tips on what i could be reading and i thought here have have the whole stack anyway um so, I mean, if you were to break it down really, really simply, very basically, um, thinking about how to to have an agile mindset is is thinking about um, it's it's the difference between something that's very linear to really um, um, iteratively developing things and um, constantly testing things and adapting things and being able to move forward in this iterative way. Um, and there has to be a mindset in order to do this in workplaces. I mean, work, working with, with children in schools um, is probably easier <laughs> than, than trying to change the mindsets of adults. But you tell me, I don't know. Um, but there, there is a mindset that has to, to be there in, that, in feeling comfortable with the unknown um, and knowing that the end goal is not necessarily just a date. That, that things are going to be a bit messy um, in between. You're not just going to have a, a, a checklist of everything you need to do. And if you do all those things, you will have success. 
there's going to be a bit of bumps and um, turns in the road. So yeah, that mindset is huge. Yeah. And that kind of builds upon um, what you mentioned earlier, where sometimes we get so focused on the solution. Um, and I think from a classroom lens, we get so focused on what the end product is going to be, um, whether that's an assessment or it is some sort of project. And I think we've, we've seen some disruptions right now. I mean, I'm, I'm going to bring up like chat GPT and that kind of stuff again, just in the sense that there is now this like, holy cow, there's a tool that actually can like crank out the answers to what I've been doing in, in five seconds. Now what? And I think as we think about these, this process or these mindsets, it, it does allow us to put more focus on the process versus the solution, knowing that if you have a good process and you you're willing to pivot and, be flexible with those things, you will end up with a good solution. Not always, but like you're going to, you're going to have better odds of actually having a, a solution that works. If you spend time identifying the problem and then having a good set of, of tools and mindsets and protocols focus on the process, your outcome is more likely to be more beneficial or more successful versus going, I'm going to do this. And then we panic because we don't know how to get there. And therefore we, you know, a lot of times we end up quitting because it's like, I don't know how to get there. And I think yeah. this mindset like allows us to kind of chunk things down, manageable yeah. steps. We know what's going on, who's doing what. We're going to have check in. We're going to have conversation. We're going to go back to the drawing board and we're going to keep learning. Yes. And, and I think that that flexibility um, is, 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 is really vital. Exactly. And when you talk about um, um, chat GBT and um, I think we talked about this last time, it's not just the student mindset. But it's actually with this, it's more of the teacher mindset. How yeah. do I use this? And how do I change my teaching? If you're going to be, you know, this, it exists now. So what do we do about it? Um, and there are, there are lots of people who are talking about how to actually use it and say, okay, you can use this in an assessment, maybe at a university or high school level, you can use it, but you're going to have to give me all of your sources. You're going to have to tell me what you used and what you asked it to do and and use it then as a tool, but so, put it out Yeah, there. yeah. And so yeah. as you think about like your team and the work that you do and like Lego education, which I think most people would agree um, from an outside lens is very successful. Feels like you guys got your ducks in a row. Um, you do come out with great solutions to education problems and things of that and anyone listening knows I'm a Lego nut so uh, obviously my opinion is a little biased but I think there's, there's, there's I think there's a lot of people that um, would have a hard time disagreeing with that how do you guys or how do you and your team help people with the mindset um, kind of work through that because I know it's not just like I read a book and then boom, I've got an agile mindset. It's also not like, hey, here are some things and now we've got it. I mean, I know just, again, working with students and with educators, there's a lot of learning. And I feel like even, I mean, myself included in terms of how do we continue to stay in this kind of self-growth work while also knowing we've got some external goals that we want to reach in this case you know in classroom it's it's learning outcomes or standard things of mm -hmm. that nature for you yeah. guys it's you trying to stay relevant in the market you know as it's mm -hmm. there's always more and more things in there um how do you guys work to navigate that with people at different stages and you know yeah. um just just all of that because i think that's 
that that's something that I think is is always a little challenging too, because um, we're not all yeah. little clones of of each other. You know, we all come Definitely. in with diverse Definitely. backgrounds and experiences and and that type of thing. Yeah. Um, I, I suppose agile is always a journey, not a destination. Um, it takes a long time to feel that you're getting there, and then probably you find out that there's more work to be done. <laughs> so, um, right. Um, so, I mean, thinking about how do we deal with with that um, at work and also in our products, hoping to have the impact on the, on the students. I think there's there's two things there. We're going through an agile transformation still. Um, and I think most, as I said before, most companies are continuing that journey ongoing. Um, and there are things that we talked about last time that that we're doing, I think you're doing in the, your classrooms as well, as far as some of the, pr the processes and tools, having Kanban boards or stand-ups and retrospectives and, and all of these types of things that you can be doing to ensure that you are looking at things in kind of small chunks and that you're iterating and you're able to pivot and you're able to give each other feedback and look critically at what you're doing, constantly thinking about how can we improve, how can we be doing things differently. Um, all of those things we do in the office with our teams, um, but also in our products itself. If you think about some of the 21st century skills that we focus on in some of our products, you know, we're, we're using the bricks to help students to think about how they can creatively build things um, and how to tinker with things, to iterate on things, to, to kind of go, okay, I need to build something that will solve this problem. How do I do that? Let me try this. Oh, that didn't work. Let me try again. So there's something around resilience and per perseverance. All of these things are really, really important um, as um, kind of building blocks to the agile mindset. Um, and I, again, we talked about this last time, but if the kids today can actually learn how to have the growth mindset and be comfortable with the unknown and do these kinds of iterations regularly in the classroom, what our business is going to be like in 10, 20 years time, you know, there will be no agile transformations. The kids will know how to do it already. Yeah. Um, a brilliant place to be working. Um, if, if that can be the case. So. Yeah. So as, as, as you're sharing that, it gets me thinking back to this concept of psychological safety. And I'm thinking about a classroom, um, an educator that maybe this is, this is new to them in terms of what we're talking about, not the idea that we want kids to be self-sufficient and productive and all those things. I think those are non-negotiable kind of like duh things. Yeah. But then there's like the things that actually truly happen within the learning space. Yeah. And sometimes there are these, I call them invisible rules, like that we put such great barriers on ourselves that we don't think we can do this type of work or allow the space for this type of process to to take yeah. shape because we've got to get a b c d all the way done yeah. and so therefore becomes kind of very lockstep um unintentionally um through that my point is as i we think about the learning space and someone wants to start to figure out how to weave some of this into their journey, whether it is a company or most listeners to the show are educators in some shape or form, whether an admin or in the classroom. How has your team and, and Lego Education kind of structured to allow some of this psychological safety to take shape, um, to be able to be nimble and go back to the drawing board and 
not quote unquote be punished, um, you know, for an idea that doesn't work out. Because I think that's some of the fear, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to try this. And then what happens if it doesn't work? Then, oh my gosh, now I'm a bad teacher or I'm a bad leader. Uh, and that's yeah. not the case, but that's sometimes the initial pressures we we self-impose. Yeah. Like, I mean, I know that's not, there, there, there's no cookie cutter template for this type of stuff. I mean, some of it is just treating humans good and, and you yeah. know, respectfully, but what within that your organization and, and Lego education or with your team, are there anything that is it's like constantly brought to the forefront or touched upon mm -hmm. to allow that mm -hmm. safety um mm -hmm. for, for this mindset to take hold? Yeah. Um big question there, but I guess so I'll I'll start with just like what is my team doing? That's yeah, easier, yeah, maybe yeah, just to right, right. on some of the things that we do. Um uh one of the things that that we started a while ago and I heard about it on a podcast somewhere and I won't be able to quote which one it was but it was something called church of fail um you don't need to be religious to, to do this um but it, it was basically the idea that you spend time every once in a while um going around the room so we do this maybe we were doing it once a month um at one point um we'd go around the room and we would each say something that we failed at in the last week or two um what we learned about it and then at the end, everybody would clap for each other to kind of, kind of, okay, good job, you show, and keep it kind of light, right? Um, and then it would, it, it started off with people sharing things. Maybe it would take a minute or so to share, and it would kind of be over in about 10, 15 minutes. And I think towards the end, when we were doing the most recently, um, it became longer and longer because then it started this conversation of like, oh, you know what, I've got an idea for you. Maybe you could try this. Have you tried that? And it becomes a coaching session and suddenly you're having a very productive conversation because everybody's sharing something. Failing is not, you know, talking about something that you failed at is not a fail if you've learned from it. So, right. So it's, it's giving the space to actually say, you know what, it's flexing that muscle of, okay, failing doesn't feel so bad. It's okay. It's a small little thing. I failed, but I've learned from it. And now I'm going to make it better. How brilliant is that? Because we all fail. We all fail all the time, right? We all make mistakes and that's okay. But if you get to the point where you don't feel you can ever do that or be honest about it, then we're not going to be able to be great humans or create great products or, you know, do whatever we want to be doing to be successful. Um, but that's one thing that we've done. And I think another um, thing that we do quite a lot is we we use our um, bricks. We use Lego Serious Play as an idea, the same thing that we do with Lego Education products. We use bricks to build things and talk about things and use it as a uh, storytelling tool. So um, recently, um, I kind of looked at my team on a team day and just kind of went, you guys all look really stressed out. What's going on? Um, are you okay? And so we got the bricks out and everybody had a couple of minutes to build what was on their mind. Um, and we went around the room and I was originally in my head going to just have everybody talk for two minutes, kind of the same as what I said before. Um, and it was kind of like 10 minute long stories. And at the end of it, I think there was a sense of like, I just need to get that off my chest and I kind of feel better now. And everybody went around the room and really understood at a deep level what was going on. So people were describing their builds and, you know, this bit is the, the yellow piece because that is some beam of light that I'm hoping to see in the near future or whatever it might be, right? And the, that brick builds meaning, but also giving people the space to equally share something also creates some kind of bond within within the team. So those yeah. are two 
that we no i love that i like that i love that idea of the church of fail and that idea with lego i think about some activities i do uh, both in pd and in classrooms and there there is something i don't know what it is where when we can tangibly build an idea that we're thinking or a feeling and you go to share that and the eyes are focused on the build it it seems easier to open up where it's like i'm talking through the build versus i'm going to stand up and let me tell you how i feel which seems kind of more i don't know raw and like oh my gosh i'm i'm standing here all by myself where with the build it's like you kind of get excited like you said yeah this yellow piece this means this and i've seen that happen time and time again where kids open up and um very very powerful and adults too in in workshops sometimes i like to i, I like to use lego almost in everything i do especially with people who don't think you know that yeah. stuff necessarily always belongs in a pdr workshop so there's something there is something magical that happens i'm sure there is a a scientific term for it i yes. don't know what it is but yeah. there is something that, that that comes from having that time to almost uh you know think time exactly. on my own i'm going to build it out so i have it and now i can share and, exactly. and, and open up yeah and th there is science behind that and it, it's it's kind of that piece too of you've built something tangible. One, it's easy to build because you've got all these pieces that you can use it as metaphors and you can actually start thinking about things more deeply because you're putting meaning to all the bricks. But then there's that transference piece of, this isn't actually about me, this is this thing. Yeah. So you can actually get really personal without feeling you're being yeah. personal. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I, I and, love and then, you know, we always, part of the um, feedback that I ask people to do is if you're going to ask a question, you ask it about the build, not the person. Right. So why is, why did you build that with a yellow piece? Not why did you do this, but mm. you know, what, what about you? How, are you feeling this? What, you know, why is that piece yellow? Yeah. That, I like and then that. It's easier a... to talk about it. It's something else. It's yeah. removed from you as a human being. Yeah. I'm Even though it is actually definitely going to steal that. I'm stealing that. I like that. That's good. Yeah. A subtle yeah. little phrasing can, can, yeah make a huge a huge amount of difference um yeah. when we have those conversations i like that um as we yeah. go through that yeah so we've talked agile we've talked lego you know one of the things that that i i'm continuing to learn um is that there's the agile mindset and then there's kind of the the ways in which to utilize the mindset so there's the agile mindset mm -hmm. and then there's kind of like the methods whether that's scrum or there's other types of things what are, are is there one that that you like more than the others do you kind of hodgepodge and and beg bar on steel i mean the more i look into it i realize there's about a thousand different methods to kind of yeah. i don't know deploy the agile mindset um yeah. You know, to have those, like you talked earlier, the, the you know, the daily standups and the retrospectives and things of that mm -hmm. nature, um, which are really, really great. And that retrospective is a good opportunity, I think, to even get kids to open up about that kind of meta thinking of the process, not like how successful we've been, but is the process of us working as a group actually working and do we need something else? And that allows the teachers to kind of figure out, you know, that that end time learning. But through all your experience with the things that you do, how how do you go about kind of putting some 
structure to the uh, the unknown, which kind of seems ironic. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. It is it is it is chaotic at times. That yeah, is for yeah. sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is which is why I love a good process. Actually, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I think I think what I said before, actually, around Kanban boards, um, just having a clear sense of you know, in the next week or whatever time you want your sprints to be in, these are my key goals. These are my, the key things that I want to be achieving um, and having those stand up so that you can kind of talk to each other and figure out, hey, you know what? I'm blocked by this. I'm not going to wait two weeks to tell you. I'm going to tell you right now. I'm blocked by this. Hands up. Can anyone help? How can we support each other? How can we um, work together as a team to actually create a greater whole? Um and then those retrospectives are super important. So, so important. But I think like we talked about last time, I've been, uh, I've worked with um, teams who were doing retrospectives for the very first time. And it was very much a tick boxing sort of exercise. Okay, go around the room. What did you like, Aaron? What did you not like? What's working? What isn't? Okay, tick, tick, tick. You said this, I'm going to type it up. Okay, now done. Let's go to our next meeting. Right. And no one was actually feeling any kind of psychological safety. No one felt that they could fail. No one felt that they could admit something that wasn't going right. No one wanted to, you know, step on to toes or make anyone feel bad. And then the conversation is useless. Right. And that, you know, if you just use a tool or a framework in order to tick the box and say you've done it, you're not going to get anywhere. Right. So you have to have that mindset. You have to have um, the understanding of why you're doing it as well to really understand what is the purpose. The purpose of this is to actually get better, mm. to improve our efficiency, to make something better, to um, really dig into what the problem is and ensure that we're solving for the right problem, as you were saying. Um, so if you understand the why, why you're actually doing what you're doing and you have a framework that works and maybe you tweak it to make it work for you you know make sure that it makes sense for you and you have the the mindset then you can actually progress um when teams are really high functioning a retrospective looks so so different and i'm sure you've seen that in classrooms um with students who really get it and maybe i mean teachers who really get it and maybe teachers who don't get it so much I don't know. Well, you you, you can definitely feel like the energy, um, you know, if if reflection is valued, you know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of one of the the bigger goals of a retrospective is 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 that reflection piece on you know how are we doing, what's working, what's not working, what do we need to improve upon, and things of that nature. And like you said, if it becomes like, oh, this is something we're going to do on our, you know, for for me when I try to help educators work through this. I have them try to think through like a sprint as a, a Monday through Friday where they're retrospect on a Friday, just kind of easier in a school schedule. Not even, even if you're not even teaching or utilizing it every day, um, depending yeah. on the schedule, but it's, it's just kind of easier to, to chunk stuff that way. But building that time in, and, and if it becomes like this rushed activity, like, hey, let's just get this done, let's turn it in. And then, you know, we'll, we'll start up again on Monday. You You don't see the amount of growth as you do where, you build that time in, you have some class conversation, um, you do take whatever the, however you capture some of that, you know, um, in the class my work in, we might have anywhere from, you know, six to 12 different teams if we've got both classes working together. So there's a lot. And so then how do we look at the boards? How do we capture some of that? And then follow up with that intentional support to the groups versus like, hey, here's a 
everybody's going to learn this thing now um, because for some it's not needed. Others are not, maybe not even be ready for it. And I think there's, you know, you, you can model the importance of it. Um, and I know something that we've done to even work through that one to help them usually the first couple of times it's, it's pretty surface level ideas, but I just don't know that they always know how to th- articulate. They know the things they may not have the vocab and I'm, Kids I'm working with are elementary um, yeah. for just the, where I'm coming at. So sometimes it's just helping them learn how to express it. And yeah. then um, the other piece that comes to that is how do we also make room for celebration? And we've done things. I think I shared this with you before too. Of uh, We do like a circle of support where all the kids are in a circle and we have their feet touched, kind of like a closed circle. We, we learned this concept from Iowa Women's Basketball Program. That's how they end their practices. And everyone belongs. We don't, but the teachers are not in it. Uh, we're not in it. So that way they're not looking at the teacher to see if their answer is right or wrong reflection. And they just have a, 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 a celebration really of just shouting out someone that helped them or a group that helped. And it doesn't have to go, like you said, everybody must speak. Um, it doesn't have to be like a domino effect where we just go all the way through. And if you're not ready, you're not ready. And usually the first one is really uncomfortable. Um, mm-hmm. And you either have a lot of uncomfortable silence and kind of giddiness and laughter because it's you're asking them to, to do that. Um, but man, it gets better. And then as they start to realize, man, this week, Carol said something really nice about me. And whether I acknowledge it externally or not, that felt really good. And so usually the next week, then I'm, if I was quiet that first round, because I'm too cool or too shy or whatever it might be, I'm more willing to open up. And it just becomes this like exponential factor in what the first one maybe lasts two or three minutes. And because you don't force it, if you're not ready, like, all right, that's good. And then yeah. by the end, you can't get them to be quiet. Kind of what you're talking about earlier. Like they just can't, they want to acknowledge each other. Um, and there's, to me, that's some, some tremendous growth and value, not just in the retrospect to improve their process, but also to be able to verbally celebrate each other and celebrate when Carol helped me with an idea or, you know, whatever it might be. There's something really powerful to that, that I think builds back to our initial, this kind of reoccurring thing with the psychological safety that it is safe to acknowledge things that aren't working. And it's also safe to acknowledge people that help us um because that's not always easy to do either exactly and i think um just thinking about that is it's what does success look like with a retrospective one you know when you're first starting okay you you're you're it's going to be a little bit kind of high level superficial but you're going to kind of go through the motions that's normal eventually you want to get to the point where you're you're speaking your truth people feel that they can actually say things then you need to get to the point where you're actually actioning the things that you're saying need to change. That actually takes quite a long time for a lot of of people to do to actually go, okay, we've just said this needs to change and now we're going to do it. And we're going to test it and see if it works. And if it doesn't work, we're going to try something different. When that starts happening, you are actually starting to really do agile and think agilely, right? But it takes a long time. But beyond that, when you really get good at it, you almost don't even need a retrospective anymore because you get to the point where you can just give regular feedback in the moment and start thinking this way constantly without having to lean on a tool or a framework in order to do it. Yeah. And I think that's one of the things um, that 
um, leg education has been focusing on quite a lot is how do we how do we give feedback to each other? And feedback doesn't have to always be critical feedback. It can be positive feedback, but it can also be critical feedback. And we have to think about how do we actually have empathy for that other person when we're giving the feedback and how do we accept the feedback in a way that people will feel comfortable in giving the feedback. And that's hard. That's hard for everybody, actually. Yeah. It depends on the day, right, for, for people. So we have to be aware of, is this a good time to give feedback to this person? They don't look great right now. I think maybe they're a bit upset. I'm going to wait for another time. It's not that important. So all of those kinds of higher level thinking around the other person is helping you to think about how to collaborate with somebody, how to how to be a better person yourself, Um and there's a there's a book that um, we're looking at right now called Radical Candor. Um, I think we mentioned it before. Kim Scott, yeah. I think it is, yeah. yeah. Um, and she talks a lot about how how to do this. You know, how to not be an obnoxious uh, <laughs> person when it comes to feedback. Really focusing on the feedback that's going to make an impact, um, and that is coming from a pe- place of love. You know, like you care about the person. You you want them to 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 be better not for your own personal selfish reasons, but you want to try to help them. Yeah. Gosh, that's, it's, that's so good. And as, as you're talking through that, I'm, I'm just like replaying classroom scenes and that, that piece of how do we articulate critical feedback or any feedback in a way, thinking of the, the person in mind, um, yeah. And sometimes that's, I mean, I think about the cognitive rigor. Again, I'm thinking with students, but I, I've worked with enough adults. Most of my my work is with adults. And I find adults sometimes, or more times than not, more challenging than children. Um, but that cognitive rigor of how do I look at something to have feedback to give? Yeah. And then how do I narrate that or articulate that in a way with the person in mind you know the feedbacks on the product or the idea not the person but we still know that person is going to absorb it no matter how much we're we're human and we can't it's really hard to separate the two Mm -hmm. and then that other really key piece of how do we accept feedback Mm. the critical as well as the positive i think sometimes we're we're so dismissive of of positive feedback like oh no big deal like how i mean i think about i'm pretty bad at that versus like saying thank you <laughs> i mean it just, yes. so i think there's some deep layers and like the bigger pieces i mean even this whole conversation is this million dollar question that i've been trying to figure out is that is such high level thinking mm-hmm. and how, and I'm not expecting you to have an answer for this, but this is just where I'm kind of word vomiting. How do I capture that? How do I visually bring that to light for people to see the power in this work? Because at the end of the day, the education system, you know, wants a spreadsheet of data. They want, mm-hmm. you know, standardized test scores, or they want that kind of concrete because that's easy to see growth or lack of growth. And this stuff is not that way. And I think it's also when we have time with kids, that's this is some of the most valuable things that we can we can bring into our classroom and our space. But it's yeah. trying to bring that narrative for people to to understand it. And that has been my million dollar question. As I keep learning, like just now, I'm thinking about the receiving of feedback and I need to go back and add that to my list. But then like, how do you capture that? 
um, yeah. so people can feel and understand like this is why we need to build time into that um, yeah. and so anyways that's my yeah. my word vomit you got my head spinning in a good way yeah. Uh, yeah. so it's, it's 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 really really good <laughs> it's it's God, it's such a great question and I don't have an answer for it, but I think it is one of the reasons why I really love working for with Lego Education because part of what we're doing is trying to help kids learn 21st century skills. Yes. And this is this is all this is all about it. And when you use, I mean, I'm not I'm not trying to plug our products here. I'm not right. a salesperson, but I really do absolutely love seeing what happens when people are using the product. You know, right. getting into the we did it ourselves in a uh, we had a demo with our team. You know, so we're 40, 50 year old, you know, adults playing with these products for six year olds. Um, and we were just all in our element, pretending that we were little monsters trying to turn the red light on with the red brick and all these things. And I think there was a moment where one of my colleagues who was actually giving the demo was just kind of looking at us like. Yeah, yeah, just laughing with joy. <laughs> There was so much um, excitement in the room. We were all engaged. We all knew the products. We'd done the lessons before ourselves, actually, you know, and yeah. we were really engaged and we loved it. Um, and there's there's just something um, powerful and impactful about what we could see in the future with kids. If, if you, you know, the work you're doing on helping them to understand an agile mindset, what does it look like to give feedback? What does it look like to receive feedback? How can we actually think about, really critically think about what are the problems we're trying to solve? If someone gives you a problem and you just solve it thinking, I don't really understand the problem, but I'll solve it versus here's a problem. Hey, I don't think that's the real problem. Here's the real problem. Now I'm going to get engaged and I, I will find meaning in that and I will be able to solve that. There's just, it's, it's a really um, exciting future. I think if we have more folks trying to do that kind of thing for the kids today. Yeah, no, I love it. And I think as you're talking about using those bricks, I mean, it's kind of that, that core of, of Lego education, that idea of purposeful play, which could be its yeah. own podcast episode in and of itself. And um, I do, I, that's how I try to like think through a lot of these authentic learning experiences is one, do we have something that's worth, worth tackling and, and worth putting time into and but the number two kind of that the way i frame it and i, I had to come up with a more positive way for it but uh, you know i tell them like we we've got to have room for for purposeful play where they need space to tinker and that whether that's whether we're making something or using lego or in this case we are uh right now in the one project where we're creating a comic on a hundred year old world war ii uh, french resistance uh fighter and so but we're tinkering with how do we visually tell a story that matters, you know? And so it's, yeah. it's, it's tinkering at play in a different way, but giving the space to play with a purpose. And I often define that because sometimes for those that maybe don't agree or don't understand it, so they don't always agree. I say it's, it's, it's learning disguise as play, but I don't really like the word disguise. Um, but that, that's what I, it's like, how do we give the space for kids to just get into the work and just let them be and let them try ideas. And then, you know, we will have a process to capture some of that. We will reflect on it. And that's where this agile and stuff now is allowing me to like, that's been kind of my journey of, I believe in this purposeful play kind of concept and 
as I dove into Lego and all that world. And then I started thinking about it in the authentic learning and now I'm getting to this agile and, and we yeah. use scrum is the thing that I like to play around with to get people started to kind of document the journey yeah. so we can see the learning happening. Yeah. Um, you know, and I think there's, there is something there when you just get yeah. out of people's way, whether it's adults or kids, you know, yeah. and just, just, just sit off to the side and, yeah. You know, sometimes you feel helpless, but if you have something that's compelling, they don't want to be bothered. You actually are a, a, a negative disruptor if you're constantly going around badgering with questions, even if it's with good, good intention, yes. like just let them be. And that's a yes. hard thing too, to look around the room. We just had that yes. last week and the kids actually ran for, for three days the whole afternoon. They're like, can we just do this? We're like, yes. yeah. And we're just kind of standing around like, what are we, what are we going to do with ourselves? But like that, what a great feeling <laughs> at the same oh, yeah. time. Like they got yeah. it. So yeah, it's uh, empowering great. them to actually own their own learning and feel that sense of agency. Yeah. I mean, that's so powerful, right? Yeah, so it so is. Um, but the time that you need to do it, yes, you might have to take a bit more time, right? Like project-based learning takes more time, but the impact is so much greater and right. you, you think about what are the kids going to take away when they think about their school years 10 years from now? Mm. I don't know. I don't have a crystal ball, but I would guess that they're going to be remembering things like, you know, working on a comic or um, doing some of the other th amazing things that you've talked about versus some worksheet or a book report or, you know, some of the kind of standard classical traditional right. um, educational activities, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, which all their plans, by the way. Yes, but right. yeah, yes, yeah. Some yeah. sometimes it is needed, but um, you know, and yeah, I think anytime you can kind of build the emotion into the work that we're doing, again, having something that is worth solving or trying to create solutions for, I think you get emotions evolved, and then yeah, it's it's, it's you're you're connected to it beyond just like oh, here's a task that I have to do. Exactly. Um, I think is you know whether we're in our work that we're doing or whether that's in a classroom, I think having a purpose to what we're doing yes. is, is the key. I think a lot of people yeah. that are feeling frustrated or checked out is, you know, what is that purpose and, and, yes. you know, how do we go about finding that? And so Carol, I want to be respectful of your time um, because I could sit here and try to continue to find insights into your brain for <laughs> the next hour or so, but I want to make sure um before we, we wrap it up, is there anything that you want to share or or bring to the the conversation that we hadn't didn't get a chance to touch upon um, um, before we bring it to a close? I feel like we could talk for hours. Um, I can't believe I think an hour just went past. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we could talk for hours. Um, I think I think we've probably covered what what we could in for this podcast, but you know we're gonna have to we're gonna have to catch up again soon. Yes, absolutely. So Carol, I will put in the show notes, uh, again, the link to the the, the stack of books uh, yeah. and that radical candor. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll definitely put your your LinkedIn profile and, and link to, to Lego education. Is there anything else for the for the listener that, you know, if they want to learn more about you or learn more about this work um, that 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 we need to add to the show notes or for someone listening in, if they're at a red light and want to go do a quick search, um, which I know we're not supposed to do, but I know we all are guilty of doing it. Is there anything else that, that, that we should go? I think the, 
No, I think that's, I mean, I'm pretty visible on LinkedIn and that's where most things are. No, I think that that's probably good. Yeah, absolutely. Perfect. Yeah. Well, Carol, this has been an absolute pleasure and a treat to uh, have this conversation with you. Um, I love following your work and your journey and your insights on LinkedIn. So I appreciate uh, all that you do to share as well as obviously love all the work happening at Lego Education there as well. So I appreciate it as both a fan um, of Lego and also of, of your work. So so thank you for for sharing and promoting all these wonderful ideas for, for people like me to keep keep our learning journey going. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. Yes, absolutely. Woke up at six o'clock in the morning, chilling with coffee mugs, me and coffee chugs, talking education all across the nation, pushing boundaries, thinking innovation. Chaos.